Um, my name is Kyle. Um, I actually uh, started my career in real estate with, uh, with Daniel um, out of Georgina, which we're, we're both from. Um, and then, uh, you know, after a year or so, I ended up uh, uh, purchasing property in Barrie. And uh, I live here now with my brother. I operate out of uh, uh, the Barrie board and also a member of the Toronto board as well. Um, yeah. I know, uh, like last year, you were doing a lot of transaction in the city. Maybe like fit was it was like fifty fifty last year. Yeah, I was honestly probably at fifty fifty. Just a lot of my sphere is is in that area as well, and then uh, just still, um, you know, trying to um, expand myself in the in the same queries as well. Has that changed a lot as a result of COVID? Like people moving out of the city? Do you find? Yeah, absolutely. Like. a lot of the, the, the buyers that we're getting now um, just through, through online origination leads um, are, they're mainly coming from, from areas of the GTA um, and, uh, you know, moving up here. So we've definitely seen, um, I'm sure everyone has uh, you as well on, on your side of Lake Simcoe as well. Lots of people coming from the city, um, you know, leaving their, their one or two bedroom condos and then, uh, um, grabbing a, a detached up here, or at least trying to, um, you know, because inventory has been so low. Um, I'm sure you've experienced it as well, right? Uh, the uh, just the amount of multiple offers that's been happening uh, is just crazy. No, it is insane, man. Um, I think you're in a unique position too, because you've got like a pretty firm grasp on the luxury product. Like, so you see a lot of that stuff uh, yeah. with the shop you're at, but you also, mm-hmm. like, because you're young, you're like me, you see like a lot of the millennial clients, yeah. Um, what seems to be like from a client mix perspective, like who, who are the ones that are, are making the moves out of the city right now? Cause I think that's like one of the big questions a lot of people want to understand. Yeah. Um, from, so from my personal experience, it's actually been um, a lot of people from, from all sorts of demographics. Like I know um, um, a buddy of mine who's, who's currently renting a condo and is then looking um like west of the city for something cheaper. And then I also, I know a lot of um, buyers that I'm working with right now who are uh, similar situation. They're older, uh, like in their forties and fifties who are in, who are in nicer condos or, or even the, you know, semis and uh, very small detached the city. And, and they're also looking to see for properties outside of the city as well. So I've actually seen like a pretty even split on my end. Yeah, um, obviously my sphere is, is, quite young, um, you know, a lot of people in their 20s. Um, and I'm, uh, you know, it's, it's also the inventory, the condo inventory in Toronto is, is also so high right now too. So um, it's, uh, yeah, just, just a, a big split. Right, yeah. What seems to be the primary motivation? Like if, if it's, is it different between, like if it's a young person, are they like, oh, you know, I'm gonna be, I'll be going to the city, you know, two or three days a week if I do get, if we ever do go back to the office. So like, I might as well be up, up in, a, in Barrie. So I'm close to like, or I got a backyard or whatever, and I can get to the go train. Mm-hmm. You know, like, and like, I literally heard a client say, you know, I don't even care if how far the commute is. Cause if I go in two or three days a week, they're going to be a write off anyway. Like I'm going to work a 12 hour day that day or whatever. So I'm not even going to be home. Right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. I mean, I've definitely, um, I've definitely seen, at least in, in the, the younger sphere of people, um, I, I'm, I'm finding that, you know, with, with their restricted budgets, they're sort of just kind of going where, uh, where they can afford outside of the city. Um, 
And uh, yeah, like, because, you know, they're not tied down because of work. And, and as long as it's within, uh, you know, I mean, even an hour and a half uh, commute distance to Toronto, where they can still get down there, they'll, they'll look at anything in that range. Right. Um, and then I've, I, for the people who are, um, you know, a little bit older of a demographic, or maybe have some kids and stuff like that, for them, I've just sort of, uh, I've seen sort of more of a reassessment of values on their end, you know, just wanting something um, with, you know, a little more space and being able to, to raise a family. Yeah, like you said, like with the backyard and stuff like that. And so for them, um, I've seen more of a reassessment of value. And then for the younger market, um, just sort of uh, looking where, you know, prices make sense. Right, right, right. And then, so because you're like sort of, I like to think at least you're uniquely in touch with kind of like, you, you know, you're well connected in the Collingwood sphere as well, or, or ski country sphere. Mm -hmm. um, one of the things, like I was talking to Ken Davenport, who does quite a bit of business up where you are. Um, mm -hmm. And we were really looking at like what's happening with waterfronts. And we've seen like uh, waterfront price escalation. It looks like almost like 20 to 30% year over year. Uh, yeah. And the volume's just insane. And like, also, you know, your days on market for a, a waterfront was, you know, 45 uh mm. last year or you know, mm. august of last year and now it's down to like 25 yeah um, one of the things that we we wanted to see was like whether or not that's going to spill over into the ski country market right and right. i'm just starting to get like i've had a couple of planners reach out to me from collingwood blue mountains area mm. just curious about like capacity issues and people basically like living up there um, because, you know, like the, if they're anticipating only seasonal demand, now all of a sudden they have this problem where there's, you know, you can only get so much poop in, in the pipes or whatever. Mm -hmm. it is, right? mm -hmm. Are you seeing that sort of on the, on the sales side yet, or is it, is it still kind of early for the, yeah, I, I really think we are. So, um, we have a, a, a couple waterfront listings right now and, um, even just that are in, you know, the, the higher price point, um, in, uh, on Simcoe. Um, and the amount of action that those have got over the, the past couple of weeks has just been insane. Um, and again, um, in that price point as well, it's been, it's been a mix of, um, you know, people from Toronto who, who reassess values and are coming up. Um, we've had people come through on some of those listings that are, um, that are actually families who are looking to purchase a waterfront together, um, where they can use it as sort of a cottage or, or, or second property or potentially, you know, live there further down, down the line. Um, and then again, yeah, there's in the, that Collingwood um, Gray Highlands area. So basically right after uh, COVID started, um, which for us, well, at least when the lockdown started was, uh, you know, mid-March and that was down the tail end of ski season. And I know um, dozens of families who actually, um, you know, they have their second property out there. They do own it. And they actually stayed um, for all of quarantine, you know, and throughout the summer um, up there just because they had that second property and they were in an area where, uh, you know, it wasn't as densely populated and they were able to just sort of lay low up there. Um, but that did have definitely a, a pretty drastic impact on the communities up there. Um, you know, smaller towns like, like Meaford and Thornbury, um, who aren't used to seeing that amount of vo the volume of people through the, uh, the slow season, like the summer. Um, I know that their resources were depleted uh, right. quite fast. And then you throw in COVID into the mix, you know, um, and it was just a, a disaster up there. Um, Sorry, go ahead. 
No, no, go, go, go ahead. Uh, you were mentioning before we started recording about like sort of uh, uncertainty around the whether or not like ski the resorts are going to open or anything like how much of a factor does that whole like recreational aspect play into it or is it just like people want to be up there because right yeah i think i i think it is again i think it is a good split i think um people are are definitely looking for something to do during the winter i mean it's it's dark and lonely to begin with in the first place um and so that's definitely you know um motivation for people to to find a place up there um and, uh, but then that, that ski community, you know, that it's such a big part of that area, right? There's, 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 uh, four private clubs in Collingwood and then Beaver Valley just outside of Markdale, um, you got Devil's Glen as well. So there's, there's all these private clubs in, in, in that area. Um, so I think that, I do think that regardless, um, if the clubs have like heightened restrictions on what people do, I still think there's going to be a lot of people up there. Um, you know, just, just trying to get the, the escape from, uh, the more densely populated areas, but, um, yeah, it, it's, uh, it's quite an interesting situation, um, because that, that, that area just, you know, it's such a, um, a mix of income as well, right? I mean, obviously the private ski clubs, it's quite a, uh, a niche community and, and it is, you know, basically, uh, uh, I would say more than half of the, of the, people that are at those clubs are from Toronto, yeah. um, you know, who've got Toronto money. And um, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how, how it all pans out. Yeah. I'm curious as well. And I mean, have you heard like rumblings within the, within the ski industry itself about like, you know, heightened demand for, for private clubs or anything like that yet? Or is it, does that still seem kind of premature? Uh, right now, the, all the talk I'm hearing about is just the, the, the seasonal leasing. It's, right. it's, it's gone absolutely insane. I uh, actually, just before I jumped on this call, I went and looked and just uh, went on our, our board just to see what, uh, what was out there. And uh, so a lot of those, those chalets and stuff, and not even when I say chalet, I don't mean ski in, ski out on the hill. I mean, just, you know, a house that's within, you know, 20 minutes to the hill. Um, so for a three month period, um, there's two bedrooms. So the lease starting in uh, just after Christmas or, or January 1st um, to the end of March, which is the standard ski season. So January, February, March, you got three months and, and they're, and they're leasing for, you know, 18 to, to 35 grand for those three months. Like that. And you know, if you look on right now, there's even a, a listing on there. I think it just came on today. So it's same thing. It's a three month rental. Uh, you got to pay your utilities and it's listed for, for 44,000 and they might not get that, but they'll get pretty close. What would that have got last year? Like a comparable. Oh, I, I would say it's up. I would say it's up by, by an easy 50%. It, it's absolutely insane. Yeah, it's nuts. Absolutely insane. And, and those are just the deals that I'm seeing, you know, that, that are actually on, on MLS. Like I know a lot of those transactions do happen off market anyways. Mm -hmm. Um, and just well, I didn't even know that that happened on the MLS. Like I think I had sent somebody to reach out to you. I don't know if they ever did, but uh, you know, in the investment banking space, who was looking for something within that snack bracket, and I didn't know yeah. that something that would like you could even monetize, right? I know. Uh, that's I know. Yeah, I know. Uh, I actually was speaking to uh, um, a co head coach in one of those ski clubs, and uh, he had um, someone from Toronto contact him. They just knew he was from someone from the club. 
and they said, like, we've got a big family, we know we have a house there, um, and we're looking to lease it. Um, and he leased it, you know, it, it's a, it's a, not, not a big house. I think it's a three bedroom, maybe one or two washroom. Um, and, and he leased it for, for 20 grand for the season. Um, and then he's just, he's just living with a buddy or, or whatever. Um, he's just capitalizing on that. And it's just, it's part of the problem. Yeah. Part of the problem too is, you know, all these, uh, these places that were usually rented for, for chalet or, uh, you know, those sort of winter sports purposes. Um, a lot of those people were, would just go to Florida or whatever for the winter and now they're staying up there. So that's also just, you know, completely dampened the, the inventory. There's just, there's nothing there. Yeah, yeah for sure. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's almost like, I mean, it, once you start getting into that really, really expensive, like you could almost make a business case for just somebody just buying something and then just flipping out of it after a little bit because the cost yeah. of the structure would be this, like pretty similar. Yeah. Realistically, right? Mm-hmm. I know. And it'll, it'll be interesting to see that, yeah, like you said, like what sort of, um, you know, development plans take place in the years to come yeah. um, in these areas. Huh. Uh, on the luxury side of things, does it seem to be like the, you know, cause a lot of people will look at luxury product as if it's like sort of your smart money indicator in the market, mm-hmm. right? People who can afford this kind of stuff usually have a, a you know, they're, they're a little bit more financially savvy. Does that, right. is that, would you say that that's, the demand in the luxury side of things is stronger or sort of the same, like reflective of what's happening in the middle and, and lower markets or is it I, like, I would say, um, it is, yeah, pretty reflective. Like, right. you know, these, uh, these, uh, those waterfront listings that we were talking about earlier yeah, up in uh, the Simcoe area. Yeah. Um, the amount of interest that we've seen is definitely heightened, um, than it would be for a product, um, in that price point, even last year or, or, or whatever. Yeah. Um, but again, I, I do think, um, and I'm sure you'd agree that, that, that those, that those luxury, um, properties, um, tend to sort of be a little more stable. Um, and yeah. Are you, what seems to be like, if are, are any deals sort of getting threatened to be like hung up or anything by comparison, like are deals, more or less i know on the buy side like it's twice as hard to find something for a buyer as it was this oh, time yeah. last year but yeah. on the sales side like i know you have some pretty notably sized listings like what are the what are the question marks that are arriving when you're transacting something you know in like the two to three million range like is it any different or is like are we are we seeing banks scrutinize a little bit more yeah um not honestly one of the biggest uh or most popular questions uh, we've been getting on, on some of those waterfront listings is um, how fast can you close? Right. Um, that, that's been something that's been coming up, you know, um, pretty frequently. And, uh, you know, for, for a listing of that size, for someone to be saying, you know, yeah, we can close in 30 days or, right. or 20 days or whatever, you know, it's pretty, uh, that's pretty powerful stuff. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty standout. Is that quantifiable? What? Like, have you seen average closing length uh, de- decrease at all? Like, has it gone from like a sixty? Because like usually those would be pretty long, like slow transactions, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, I, I definitely have. Um, what uh, I'm assuming similar sort of stuff is happening on the other side of Simcoe as well. Yeah, like it's crazy the the demand for your sort of Airbnb investment product, uh, waterfront stuff, large waterfront like for like a family, multifamily, etc. Mm-hmm. Like, we had like this this one one of the big things about Keswick, and I'm sure you'd know this is like there's all those those properties with the the beach access, like yeah, those private beaches. 
a year ago, it didn't matter if you're on a private beach, like every, all of those like streets, you know, down between Metro and, and Lake drive, mm. like, yeah, whatever. They're just like tear down old cottages. And mm. now all of a sudden it matters that you have private beach access. Like that's like a pricing factor, which it never was before. Interesting. Yeah. So, and like, there's one that we sold up the street here. It was like, absolutely. Like I remember literally at the beginning of the year when COVID started and even last year consulting, saying oh you know it may be your 750 price range and it went for end up mm-hmm. going for like 950 or mm-hmm. 970 and it it's right yeah. across from the lake and like so like basically it's like living waterfront you walk across the street go to your private beach right but this time last year like uh, that the private beach access wasn't really a selling feature now all of a sudden mm-hmm. like the public beaches are closed or were and there's mm-hmm. it's arbitrary whether or not stuff like this is gonna have an impact so like it just it's interesting to see these like little value nuances evolving right like stuff like i don't know if you've seen anything like that in your market but just that's like one that i can think of that's that's been interesting from my perspective yeah that that's pretty crazy and are those um have you seen a lot of people coming up from the city like purchasing in georgina for second property purposes or are these mainly people who are just looking to uh, get a little further and maybe get something a little bigger. Yeah. So that one was like, uh, they were moving, like they were moving here. So that, and this, that was actually a good reflection of like the two trends that I'm seeing in the market. So the first trend would be, I'm seeing basically young people from our generation being like, okay, yeah, it's time to leave the city. Like, you know, I was going to do it eventually if I had kids or whatever, anyway, right. Like, we're getting more into that suburban lifestyle. Um, like, so they're almost admitting defeat that like urbanism has failed them or whatever. I don't know what you would call it, but yeah, you know, they're like, oh, you know, it's going to take three years for this, for the city to be normal again. And by then I'm going to have kids or whatever. I might as well just go move up now. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, that's number one. And then number two would be, you know, seniors who are almost not seniors, but boomers who are kind of advancing their retirement plans with Ken Davenport talked a lot about as well. And he, he's an old right. guy. So he works with a lot of clients like that. Mm-hmm. Um, that house was it's like a four bedroom house with a three bedroom bungalow attached to it so it was a it was two families that were like the the grandparents and the kids with Mm. a a newborn on the way moving into that house together um and they fit that both of those kind of those those brackets um right i i would say the majority of them like they're selling like they're not they're not coming up here for a recreational property like the one right place right beside my parents on Cook's Bay sold this year after a couple of years on the market. Um, no way. Yeah. And it went for like, and there was another one up the road that went for just shy of 2 million bucks. Like mm. they're all, these are all like they're four season homes, right? These are people. Right. Like, yeah. I think you and I had spoke a lot about this, like when we were starting to work together, where I've noticed this trend of like, you're getting, you're starting to see guys in like Aurora who had a cottage in Muskoka as an example. And they were like, oh, mm. I'll sell the cottage. I'll sell the house in Aurora and I'll take the, the earnings and I'll keep some for retirement and I'll, and I'll go buy a house on Simcoe or whatever. Mm-hmm. That, that seems to be more and more common. Like it, yeah. not seeing people from the city so much, but a lot of mm-hmm. region people. Yeah. Yeah. One thing actually that uh, one of the problems that we've had with uh, the waterfront listings um, specifically with Toronto buyers is that, um, and this has happened, this happens actually probably, you know, one or two times a week is we'll, we'll get a call from someone on one of those listings yeah. and uh, you know, they'll be talking to us about comparables and they'll, they'll, sell, they'll say, you know, well, yeah, we, we really like your listing. Um, but we feel that uh, 2.5 or $3 million is too expensive for that because um, you know, we can also get a place 
uh, in the Muskoka somewhere for, for, for a much better price. Right. And, they're, and they're using these, these cottage properties as comparables to these waterfront yeah. properties here in Barrie, which, yeah. you know, for us, we're like, yeah. like, like, what do you mean? But to them, it's just a waterfront property outside of the city yeah. and it's, it's a luxury product and they're just comparing the two. And it's no, funny because it keeps coming up. It is a good point, honestly, because I think that this is like the first exposure that a lot of your urbanites have had to the Northern Ontario. I mean, this is, yeah. like, this isn't even Northern Ontario, but like to them, it's like, Oh, if it's North of Bloomington, like it's basically all like, yeah, yeah, exactly. Right? So, I mean, yeah, man, it's like, and this is where the other, the other challenge that I think a lot of people don't identify in that. And I've seen a lot of people get absolutely slaughtered in deals like this. Mm -hmm. like, they have a city agent taking them up and showing them properties in, in like, you know, on Simcoe and stuff. Yeah. No idea what they're buying. Like, there's three deals that fell through. Oh yeah. That were up in like the, the Virginia area where they were taking lake water or shared wells or whatever. And like, these people had no clue. They're just like, go and buy firm, you know, and, and I, like, it is what it is. But you, mm -hmm. I think that it starts to show where having a local expert, like, you know, with the experience what uh and like the little nuances like you're describing is, is mm -hmm. important right now yeah and, and we've actually uh, experienced that as well as um with uh some listings in, in here in barry um where it's again it's a, a toronto buyer and uh you know they they call us and they want to see the listing and they they're working with a toronto agent yeah and uh they want to or not even necessarily that they're working with a Toronto agent, but they know an agent uh, who they have worked with in Toronto and uh, they want to bring them into the deal um, because they think that it's going to um, get them a better, a better price. Right. And um, you know, obviously you know that that's, that's not just the case just because, you know, there's a potential to have reduced commission and, and that doesn't, that doesn't translate to, uh, you necessarily getting a better price, especially when it's coming from someone who has no idea um, of of the market that they're that they're in. Yeah, no, I know it's it, well. That's the challenge, right? It's like, yeah, if you have an a, an out of town agent who's failing to identify, a, you know, it could be a hundred plus thousand dollar issue. Like, I mean, if you think you have like, and there, this is this risk exists in Georgina, especially like with all of those uh, detail or uh, d uh, indirect waterfronts, right? Where like mm -hmm. the difference, there's a distinct difference between deeded and and you know the some of those easements and right yeah like I mean I, I don't know how you reconcile for that maybe in like two years we'll start to see some of these problems come out out in the wash when people have yeah what they bought but like I don't even know man then then you start yeah. to be like well, what what are the courts going to be doing for the next five years right yeah like, exactly everything's so backed up. Um, is there any fear from your perspective? Like, do, do buyers seem to have like, like what's one of the biggest, like I, at the beginning of COVID, I, like we were listing and selling stuff quickly because everybody thought like, this is the biggest financial issue of our lifetime and right. like, let's get the hell out of here. Mm -hmm. and now all of a sudden the market's up like 10% since then. And I look like an idiot. I mean, I, yeah. but <laughs> you know, like, um, and now all of a sudden it's like, well, it looks like things should plateau or, or at least get you know a little bit ugly coming into the spring but i don't i'm not hearing any rumblings that buyers are even remotely concerned about that because like this is very much a lifestyle decision like people have sort of put aside the economics of, of real estate briefly yeah yeah like i i would agree 100 percent. i haven't yet had uh um any of the buyers that we're working with right now you know in the past who have experienced this market you know they put in offers um on you know 
five places and, you know, lost out and not even to the fact that it wasn't a good offer, just that someone came in, you know, 150,000 over firm, uh, which is just not feasible to, to a lot of people. Um, who, so they've experienced that market and they've, and they've been persistent and are still in it. Um, I haven't directly had anyone um, start to, you know, voice their opinion of, of you know, well, is this, uh, uh, how long is this market going to last and whatever. They're just, like you said, like they, they've, they've reassessed their values and they know, you know what, I don't need to be near the city. Um, and I've, I've made my decision. Like, this is where I want to be. Um, so that's been consistent. I think the one thing that has, um, some people, um, just, you know, paying attention a little more is, is to what's happening in Toronto. Right. Yeah, for sure. I mean, yeah, I've had, I've like just some of the, some of the data that I've been putting out, um, in regards to that has gotten a lot of attention and it seems like, yeah, no, I, I love your, I love, uh, your, uh, you know, your graphs and all, all the data you post on a regular basis is probably one of my main sources of staying up to date. Yeah. So <laughs> I'm glad I could do that for you. So I'm just relaying your information back to you, but I'm glad. You, well, you, let me know if you ever want a chart, I'll just white label it for you so you can put your logo on it. Honestly. Yeah. 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 I, I pay for that. So yeah. oh, I'll pay yeah. for free. So there you go. Um, but it's, it's interesting. Like, the, at first it was like the condo stuff. And now all of a sudden, like, I mean, I was, I think I was hitting like these, co the condo listing, like that was sort of the first graph that really everybody was getting crazy about mm. uh, the, the new condo listings per month. And then it was now, now this Exodus stuff is really, cause it, I think it, it took a little bit of a time for the market to figure itself out mm. and now, but now you're starting to see like, and, and I'm glad you're, you know, acknowledging it too, more and more of these city agents traveling up here because there's no transactions like there's no volume yeah. down there and so they're coming up and 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 they're driving here to to show properties so like the average kilometers traveled for a transaction by an agent is has like doubled since mm -hmm. this time last year mm -hmm. uh, like i compared september to september 19 and 20 and i don't know if you saw the map i just did one for georgina and that's mm -hmm. actually one of the things i wanted to talk to you about because the planner that reached out to me about the Exodus stuff in Collingwood is interested in doing sort of like a research series together to basically figure out what's happening in their market. Like what you were describing, like their, their actual municipal resources are, are under siege right now. Oh yeah. Yeah, absolutely. They've gone from like, you know, a 50% uh, sewage capacity to 80%. And now mm -hmm. if you're moving into winter season, like they're not even in the winter yet yeah yeah all of collingwood is occupied or you know one mm. of those areas mm. there's some serious trouble that can arise as a result of that stuff right oh yeah absolutely i mean in the beginning i know um you know a large portion of that was also just like the covid panic too right i mean i'm just talking in terms of uh even just your local grocery stores and stuff like that so you had the people who were staying up there during that time who would normally be back in the city all week who are now up there, but then you add in the fact of the, you know, the fear of COVID. Yeah. And then, and then that just blew up. Um, but it will, I, I, I really do think that a lot of people, um, like, I think those markets will prevail, um, like right through, because I do think just one of the main things that's happened from this whole thing is people just have reassessed what they want. Um, and, shift, yeah. yeah, absolutely. So, so I, and also, um, you know, I'm a little bit biased because I'm part of the ski community and whatever, but, but I, I think it will prevail. Yeah. Uh, I, would, I think I would agree with that, honestly. Like I think, and I, but I also think like 
when people say to me like, oh, do you think the market's going to crash? I'm like, you know what? If you had to ask me like at the beginning of COVID, I'd say, yeah. But like, I, I think that we've created so many challenges like in the supply chain and stuff that like construction costs aren't deflationary and they're not, mm-hmm. I don't think they'll ever be deflationary. Like they're, mm-hmm. they're never going to go down. And so now like you go to buy a sheet of plywood today, it costs you mm-hmm. twice as much as it did six months ago because the supply right. chain all fucked up. Mm-hmm. Until the, they can build a house in Collingwood or, or even a condo in Toronto for cheaper than what it's selling resale, like the market's always protected unless you start to see com- supply constrict a little bit, but like, I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm really interested to see how that all plays out. The, cu- the curiosity I had actually, cause you're a Barry board member. Yeah. Like, can you, when you are looking at a sale on Barry, does it show you if the agents outside of the Barry board, does it show you like where they're, fr- where, what brokerage they are from or no? Yeah. Yeah, it, it does. Um, but, uh, this is something funny. I was just, I was just thinking about as we were talking about, you know, agents, uh, you know, traveling the distance to, um, to make a sale happen because well, specifically within Toronto, you know, because they're, they're, they're just looking for work outside of the city. Um, one thing that we've actually found, um, is that in this competitive, uh, seller's market is that, you know, so generally most of the listings that we see here in Barrie are on the Barrie board. And, uh, but you know, the odd time a Toronto agent gets a listing and they only put it on the Toronto board. Yeah. So we actually look for those listings because a lot of the time they will not price the property correctly because they're not familiar with the market. They're looking at all, a lot of just the, uh, the list prices and then they list according to that and they won't hold offers. So we've actually had a lot of success in searching for, um, Trev listings in Barry and then just jumping on them right away. It's interesting. Are you seeing an increase in number of trap listings versus? Well, yeah, yeah, we absolutely have. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. Um, yeah, I'd love to. Uh, maybe you and I can do like a, a Zoom chat sometime, and, and I want to see like what the interface of the Berry Board looks like to see how we can like pull tables because what. Oh, and you would you would love it. Yeah. Yeah, because I use both on a regular basis, and Trev is just yeah, is so archaic compared to it. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, we should chat then. Cause I think that there's like a lot, like a lot of people have really reached out to me with an interest in seeing what's going on in Simcoe County specifically. Cause like yeah. Ajax looks like your, your Durham region on paper looks like the hotspot right now, like Durham and Georgina. But I, mm-hmm. I'm really thinking that Simcoe is actually getting the majority of, of growth from this COVID pent up demand or mm-hmm. this exodus demand. Um, and but I think it's being underrepresented in the data because you see so little of Simcoe transactions, Collingwood, Barry, et cetera, on, uh, on Shred. And so I want, right. to try and, I want to try and really get to the bottom of what's happening there in Simcoe. So if you're interested, yeah. especially if you like doing charts, yeah, there's really no value to me to have those charts for, for my own sales perspective to try and get mm. your sales or whatever in Barry. Mm. So perhaps you and I could do some sort of joint venture on that. Yeah, let's do it up, man. I'd like to see what uh, what kind of graphs and data you're able to pull from it. Let's maybe let's plan to do that then, and we can do like a follow up episode sometime uh, like next week or in two weeks once we've got some some real hard numbers to to look at and figure out. Absolutely. Because like honestly, I've had multiple people from municipal governments in in very Collingwood areas. Uh, like just like they're they're basically reaching out and they're like, you got to tell us what the hell's going on because like we got a, a real problem on our hands, right? Not maybe not. Problem, yeah, yeah. There's something happening that they need to understand fast. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I mean, there's value there. So um, 
All right, well, let's do it. I want to be respectful of your time anyway, uh, yeah. and, and also the viewer's time. So maybe we can wrap up, and then if you have time, uh, I don't know if you have time after this or, uh, or sometime like next week. Uh, For sure. And we, we can just kind of go through all that, that data and see what we can no, do. No, I think, I mean, it definitely, um, I, I'd definitely like to go over some of that stuff and, uh, you know, get some, uh, get some hard facts out of it. Okay. Well, yeah, if you, are you able to just screen share me and show me how, how it looks on the back end and what you can Yeah, see? yeah, for sure. Okay. I'll stop the recording. Let's... Now and we can, uh, we can that quick. All right, cool.